The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. And what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Masters of Modern Podcast. Burr, 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 burr. I'm your host, Ben Bateman, today because Alex Kessler is not here. I'm here with Renee, who you guys all know from the show previously and also from doing all of the back end, all of the social media coordination, anything you see of our show that exists on the internet, basically, uh, Renee is handling. So thank you so much for that. Thank you for being here and joining me as the co-host on today's episode. No, but no, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to be talking to you guys about a handful of different things. There was a, a really fun tweet that we got to put up uh, last week. That had a ton of interaction and it's a fun and interesting conversation that we're going to have on the show today, but a couple quick shout outs, um, patreon.com slash the MMcast. Thank you guys so much for supporting. Uh, we really just appreciate you guys. You know, there's always an extra 10 to 20 minutes of unedited footage of the full show that goes up early. You guys can go check that out. That's available. And a big shout out to our sponsors, TCG Player. Thank you guys so much. And of course, you can listen to our stuff on Channel Fireball. That's where you can still hear the show. We're excited to be there. If you ever do check out at TCG, make sure to use our checkout code, which is the MMCast. I hope I'm right about that. Alex is not here. So uh, we're going to say that's correct. And There's then, a link course, in the description. <laughs> link in the description. There you go. Yeah. It changes all the time, guys. I'm just yeah. the color guy, okay? <laughs> the color commentator uh no i'm kidding and then and, and then and then of course finally uh the last piece of this is we have a great partnership with ultra sleeves through our patreon which if you are patrons through the month of january you get four of these sick lightning bolt altars uh which is like me and alex and they're like star wars characters they're great they're really cool uh and i'm very very appreciative that we have them so there's our shout outs um we're gonna get into today's episode um we're so close to phyrexia phyrexia United? What's it for? Domin- dominated? What's the what's Rexia the new set called? Will be one. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not Dominary United, guys. I'm just terrible with names today. I'm just I'm going <laughs> off the cuff. Um, but we're really close to that. I have seen a couple things get out there. There was a couple cards in particular that I'm really excited about. But mm-hmm. uh, we'll have you know we'll start to be in preview season very soon for that. But I think the thing this week that we wanted to talk about, and this was a really interesting conversation is last week on Twitter, we asked the question of um, if you could make any non-legendary creature in Magic's history legendary, what would your choice be? And there was hundreds of responses. Um, Mm -hmm. And a lot of them were very interesting. And I think it gets into a conversation about what makes a card uh, dangerous or not dangerous as a legendary creature. I mean, what do you think like are the defining characteristics of a card that is dangerous when you put the legendary on, is there anything that comes to mind for you? Uh, you know, I think that's a, a very interesting question. And the reason I said that is because you have cards, for example, like Deathrite Shaman, which, um, spoiler alert, is my first pick to make legendary to make it a commander. Uh, but if you look at the aggressiveness of how Deathrite Shaman was and the bannings that it took through modern, uh, I think that card at the time when it was in Return to Ravnica was not it was not a point for it to be a legendary creature. I don't think commander was a thing at the time. It wasn't, you know, I'm sure wizards wasn't designing legendary creatures as much, right? Like a death, right? Shaman to, to, Hey, let's make this card as well as let's make it a commander as well. I don't think that was a thing, but then you have the power level like Ragavan, right? Where that blatantly is a card that can only be legendary because if you have two Ragavans on the board, it's game over, right? Ragavan is just something that is just so powerful that that to me is the basis of what a legendary creature is supposed to be now. But there's so many creatures that are like that that aren't as powerful as, as Ragavan, but definitely have the stigma being like you it could definitely be there, but it wasn't there yet. And I think that's a lot of what the old cards did, right? Like a lot of the old cards have that design where we can make it somewhat strong, but not over the top because we can't make it a legendary. So I, I don't know. It, it's it, I, I think the basis would be 
Ragavan, I guess, is where the idea of what legendary is supposed to be now. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that's, that stands out to me that I find so interesting about the conversation is that if you look at the design of a card like Death Raid Shaman or Ragavan, when they are one CMC creatures that have a ton to offer, they are very good in competitive formats. We've seen both those cards dominate competitive formats yeah. over the years. But the thing is, as soon as you introduce a table full of players that have a chance to respond, the power level diminishes very quickly. Even, even Deathrite Shaman, if Deathrite Shaman was legendary, if we try to think about, was that, is that a dangerous, does that dangerous in terms of power level if Deathrite Shaman is? And the answer to the question is, well, it's going to come down on turn one in every single game that you play it. You're always going to play it on turn one. In theory, you're playing a deck with fetch lands, so you mm-hmm. can accelerate, and you can accelerate with any of your opponent's fetch lands, the ones that they're playing. But aside from that, I mean, it's it's not really much better than playing like a like a an elf or a bird or something on turn one. Which, like, granted, you if you got Birds of Paradise on turn one in every single game of Commander ever, uh, maybe that would be too good. But that against a full table of players, that's not too good. And even the effects the Deathrite Shaman offers. They're very good. I think it would be powerful, but mm-hmm. by no means do I feel like Deathrite Shaman is oppressive if it's a if it's a legendary creature for Commander. And in paper, it's even worse, right? It just the card just becomes worse if it's legendary because you can't play multiples um, in one v one. I mean, so I think the thing when it comes to what makes a creature dangerous if it's legendary, I think it's more. Things that are things that are inherently going to be good in all situations. There was a whole article that came out, like this whole conversation, you know, about the new Elishnorn that was previewed. And Sheldon wrote this article about it and Sheldon Menery and talked about the process of, of, of evaluating the card with the RC and how there was a lot of pushback on the card amongst them before it was previewed or before they decided to print it. A lot of that conversation was about the fact that it's just inherently good against everything, right? Like there's so many things it's good with. It makes basically all of your opponent's decks worse and it makes every single effect in your deck better. And, Mm. but the responses in many cases were like, it's a five CMC creature that doesn't do anything when it enters the battlefield. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like how can you say that that's dangerous? Like if you, you should be able to kill a five CMC creature that doesn't protect itself or do anything with it enters, counter it, kill it. Like, you know, and so, so I think it's very, I think it's very hard to come up with a truly come up with a commander that is, dangerous by putting the legendary sticker on it yeah it's you know the the idea that a lot of these older creatures aren't legendary um is obviously there's a reason why right based on design like you said death right shaman as a one of in your command zone just doesn't seem as powerful as you were to play one or two against you know in a, in a modern modern matchup you know but the stepping away from that i think there's a lot of creatures that just wouldn't benefit from the fact that they're legendary uh one of the one of the ones that i saw was goblin guide uh yep. goblin guide as a commander i think would be pretty awesome but you also have to remember that commander just isn't the only format that they print to right that they create that they design cards for so Very much when yeah. where's that line where you say goblin guide is good enough to not make it legendary but because it's not legendary you can't make it a commander and it's just not it, it, it there's like a it's kind of hard to explain. Like, I, I feel like I'm a little tongue-tied right now because I have these ideas of what I think a good legendary can be, or actually maybe more what of a what a fun legendary creature can be. Because I would love to play Goblin Guide as you know as my commander, right? Like just a turn one swing for two, yeah. see what's on top of the deck, you know. And it's just I think that's a lot of fun, but I think that there's definitely a line where you don't want to cross overpower. But then, because like, because even Ragavan as a commander just isn't as strong as um, isn't as strong as it would be against you know a one on one, right? So by that argument, is it even worth making a legendary, right? Maybe you remove one of the abilities and it just becomes just the new Goblin Guide over the fact that it's you know the new Ragavan, right? Well, on the other hand, and this is something I mean I haven't seen a lot of people try to explore this. I was interested at one point in trying to build a commander deck around Ragavan, using Ragavan as my commander. Mm-hmm. What's interesting about that idea is that because it's against in theory three players, you're going to play Ragavan on turn one, which means that you're almost a hundred percent of the time going to accelerate into three mana on turn two because there's yeah. there's almost a zero percent chance that that all three players are going to have a blocker for you by you know. By, by turn two. It seems seems yeah. pretty unlikely. 
Sure. So that means that you are getting the turn one Birds of Paradise effect. It doesn't require you mm-hmm. to have a fetch land in hand or somebody else to crack a fetch, which is what Deathrite does. And it's restrictive because it's in mono red, but it's also going to start drawing you cards very quickly. If you build your deck around that, which I've thought about doing, I mean, imagine imagine playing like Raghavan on turn one and a card like Assault Strobe or, or anything that's going to give it double strike. If you just Assault Strobe on turn two on attack, now you're going to get two treasures on turn two and you're going to exile two cards. So mm-hmm. now on turn two, you're going to have access to, because you've cast the Assault Strobe, three mana and potentially two cards off your opponent's deck, right? That's for, and, yeah. and that's super easy to do. So I do think that there are certain types of effects that if they're pushed too hard, like the fact that Raghavan's one color is one of the great things that holds it back from, I think, being kind of an oppressive commander. Cause I do think if it was more than one color, it probably would start to get pretty out of hand. Like if it had an ability so. on it, yeah. had an ability on it, I think it would be kind of dangerous. But I, I think my answer to that question comes back to the Elish Norn effect, which is like, if that Elish Norn card was less expensive somehow, if it costs like three or something, uh, or if it had like a shield counter on it, maybe or something, you know, if it had some way to protect itself, then I think a card like that stacks cards, I think just in general by inherently could be really dangerous to print as commanders. Because um, I mean, if you think about the, some of the most the most famous commanders that are played in CDH, like Najila is a good example. You know, Najila just has like a built in infinite combo, right? I guess. Yeah. So. I, I, but but I, I don't think there's any way you print a card like Najila not knowing there's a chance it's going to get abused, right? I think that's pretty obvious. Yeah, I think so too. I, it's kind of like the argument with Golos, right? Um, the fact that it's just a five generic mana like, that lets you just tutor for your best land and then you just, you know, you go off on your next turn by just tapping, you know, just tapping seven mana and just putting the best three cards off the top of your library, I think is, is, um, is pretty bonkers, right? But... Ragavan, I think I've seen I've seen Ragavan play at at a table before, and granted, the I personally feel that the power level of Ragavan uh, against uh, on a on a four player game definitely changes because when you see a commander at the table, for example, if you see a Mastermonder at the table, you're gonna know that oh this guy more this person more than likely is going to be playing something big, or you're gonna see somebody playing a blue red spellstinger deck. More than likely, I'm. I'll probably do something off the top because maybe I can rock a brainstorm off the top of their library. But then you have somebody on the other side who's playing the new Shauna from Dominary United, who's getting a bunch of life. The odds of them grabbing something worthwhile with that Ragamon on turn one is is pretty light. I have definitely seen Ragamon go off based on other people's cards, but if it doesn't happen for them, it just becomes a two one on turn three because by then you're already playing because three. Uh, CMC three and four, I think, are like the bread and butter in Commander, and at yeah. that point, you just have blockers for days. So th- it's it's an ongoing scale because when it comes to card design, you need to find out when can something be too powerful in Commander, but not too powerful in Modern or vice versa, right? Or Standard or Pioneer. Right. It's just sometimes I think it's super awesome that we have game design now where a quarter of a set is catered for commander, just like Elish Norn. Cause let's be real. We're more than likely probably not going to see Elish Norn in modern. Um, I, I was trying to figure out a way to play it in Amulet Titan. I was like, Oh, maybe I can do this. I can try to figure it out. Right. But that's more like a pet card at some point. Right. Kind of like when I right. play Elder Gargaroth in, or uh, the seven mana, the, the Titan of industry, right? Like those are just pet cards. I don't want to try to play in my modern deck and my Amulet Titan deck, but yeah, in all honesty, there's times where those things just get phased out. That is a commander card at its finest, right? The um, Sithis, the green-white uh, enchantment creature, that card, even though it's a two-mana creature that Enchantress did really well for the first couple months when Modern Horizons 2 came out, that card is just a commander card at at, its, at, at best, right? Um, so there's a, definitely a a, ta- a scale there. Like, would you if you took away the legendary part from Sithis, would Enchantress just be as busted in Modern? But then that card doesn't exist in Commander, right? So that like that game design just doesn't... It There's a fine line there, and when do you yeah. know when to cross it to make it really powerful? So I think Ragamon, like I said, if you take away the legendary part, it just becomes bonkers, right? That's a banned card on site. But in because it's legendary in Commander, I, I don't think it's as good as you know, like, by seeing it, it's not as good, right? But I, I, I mean, there's a lot of cards out there that I think can deserve the legendary stamp on it 
to turn the drawback command is going to be a lot of fun. I think the drawback on legendary is actually so much more marginal than it seemed like. It's such yeah. a small percentage of the card's value. Like Ragavan having been legendary hasn't really affected its playability in any eternal format whatsoever. No. Right? Like it's no. the fact that like that's supposed to be a drawback on it has basically no bearing on the card at all. Isn't People that don't so play funny? It any less because it's so of funny it. because when we saw that card, I was like, oh, I think it's a legendary. Oh, let's let's put a drawback on this card and make it a legendary. It's like, okay, guys. <laughs> yeah, Let's I, make, I think okay. when, I, when I've thought about, you know, when I've thought about how could this card, and I've talked about, you know, I've talked to various like Wizards employees at different times about the interest in this card and just like sort of the thought experiment of like what could have been different about it. The yeah. only thing I can come up with is that I think it could have been a 1 1. I think you could have made Ragamon a 1 1 instead of a, mm-hmm. instead of a 2 1. I think I, the I card think so. would be yeah. just as good. It'd be yeah. just as playable. I don't think it would have basically any difference may maybe like a really aggressive deck would would be less interested in playing it but i doubt it like the fact that it comes down and it you know it's like you could do that i mean the other thing you could have done is like you could have made it a zero one and it could have it could have uh made a treasure on attack yeah we've just made I a think, treasure on i attack. think the drawback of making it a one one or a zero one would probably be more impactful than making it legendary yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. imagine what what if Ragavan had been a zero one with dash, and the the treasure was made on attack, and then it had fire right. breathing. So so and it still yeah. you still got to flip a card if you dealt damage, which means that you attack yeah. with Ragavan. It makes the treasure. Now you can use the treasure to put one power on it, mm-hmm. uh, and that's how you get to exile a card. Such yeah. a worse card at that point because to yeah. get the extra card you need to attack. So yeah. again, they could have made it a one-one that did it on attack, has to deal two or more damage to get a card, then you sack the treasure. There's a lot of different like sort of design space you could have tweaked. The mm-hmm. version they printed is very clean. Uh, but anyway, that's not that's not really the conversation. Getting back yeah. to the initial yeah. part of this conversation, it's yeah. you know, it's about it's about legendary creatures and and the the drawback or the value in making certain creatures legendary. So I'm gonna pull this tweet up. You know, Deathrite Shaman, I think just to kind of continue that conversation and maybe wrap it up before we move on to the next one. One of my favorite magic cards of all time. Um, Part's so good. The, the, the like short answer. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if you've, I know you listen to the show uh, when you're working on it, but we had a conversation. I can't remember if it was on air or off. The five most powerful one drop creatures of all time. Um, Ragavan's probably number one. That's pretty clear. Uh, yeah. I think Deathrite is probably number two. Those are those are the top two, in my opinion. I agree. And then, and then you get into Dragon Rage Chandler is really, really, really good. That's like one of the best ever. Um, Birds of Paradise is one of the best ever. I think that's probably a top five. And then maybe you're talking about like, uh, you know, maybe like Mother of Runes or something. Like they, you know, I don't know, like like. Delver, I, I, I would say I would probably argue that DRC is probably a step ahead of um, of Deathrite Shaman just because it's the the ability to surveil is just so powerful nowadays. But I think as overall, I think Deathrite uh, Deathrite Shaman would definitely nerf DRC if it was still in the format. So yeah. I think there's like a sliding scale, right? It depends on what's in the format at the time. But I definitely agree with you. I think all five of those creatures are 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 definitely uh, creatures that probably the best one drops. Now the question would be, what if Mother of Ruins was a legendary creature? Like how how much bet how much worse would that card be? Um probably not much. Yeah. Situations I can think of in my life when I've played a 1v1 format and I've had a Mother of Runes in play and a second one like like you don't often need more than one. I mean, you obviously can do the thing where they are able to protect each other kind of a thing. You know, it's an extra line of defense. It is, it yeah. is relevant. Yeah. But if you, ha- if you have too many mother of runes stuck in your hand, even if you just have two of them, honestly, um, often your deck doesn't have enough velocity. Like the yeah. formats that are profiting the most off having mother of runes, they don't yeah. really want a second one. They want that card to be a trick. They want that card to be power. Three of them, for instance, you have nothing, you know, you wouldn't know what to yeah, do. Yeah, there's with nothing else to do. Yeah. I think Mother so, Runes would be a good commander. I think that would have been a cool legendary to, to to play because then you just earn protection from anything at the point that you need it, right? So that, yeah, that'd be, yeah, that'd yeah. That'd be yeah. pretty fun. I think Mother Runes would be really fun to play. Yeah, it's also like a cool, 
it's a cool idea too because of the way that it functions with the card design nowadays with various yeah. protection and stuff like that there's i think that would be super awesome very, yeah in line with sort of in, in line with white. So uh, let us know guys, you know, if you have a different opinion about the, the five best one drops, th- those are the ones that immediately come to mind. I mean, I know there's others that, you know, in, in different times in magic's history have been really, really good. Right. Like we, like we said, Delver at one time was really good. It's been totally outclassed. It's not really much of a card that people play anymore nowadays. Uh, the same can be said for like nimble mongoose. That card is like pretty outclassed nowadays. You have cards like carrion feeder or viscera seer that are both really strong. They both offer a lot in their color. Um, you know, but I, but I really do, you know, weathered wayfarer. I mean, there, there's cards that are interesting, certainly, but I yeah. think that first five we mentioned the pound for pound nature birds of paradise is so good. I mean, noble hierarchy is really good. I agree. Um, but I think birds is, is like, you know, just the, just the core one mana, no complication, five color, yep. really, really, really strong. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I think that that's definitely up there. Uh, definitely the, probably the fourth or fifth best one drop. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So looking through this thread, I'm going to just start. I'm just going to start to throw out cards. So one that I've seen on here a lot of times, uh, we asked this question on Twitter. You guys can go follow at the MM cast on Twitter. You also can go follow on TikTok. Renee has been doing a lot of really cool stuff on there. A lot of these interactive questions like this uh, go up on there. Uh, You'll see clips from the show. We do trivia segments on the show. Sometimes Mm -hmm. those will get clipped up on there. Uh, And it's our our TikTok is at the MM cast podcast. Uh, The MM podcast. The MM podcast. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, at the MM at the podcast. podcast. Uh huh. It's the MM cast um, everywhere else, and then we're at the MM podcast at TikTok. Yes. So Soulfire Grandmaster was one of the first ones that shows up. It's it was it appeared on the thread a lot of times. For those that don't remember it, it is from I think Fate Reforged is what I want to say. This set is with the two backwards uh, hooks uh, on top of each other. It is uh, a creature human monk for a white one. It's a two two. Instant and sorcery spells you control have lifelink and then for two and then two blue red hybrid mana. The next time you cast an instant or sorcery spell from your hand this turn, put that card into your hand instead of into your graveyard as it resolves. So Soulfire Grandmaster was a card that I remember when it was previewed and printed. I was super excited about this card. I, I loved this card. I wanted it to be good so badly. I was never able to make it good. I saw people years ago back when Jeskai Control and Modern was like a big deck. This is like five, six years ago now seven years ago, maybe um, people would play Soulfire Grandmaster sometimes as kind of a pet card in that deck. It never broke through, but people would do it because, you know, you're activating end of turn, get a lightning bolt or a helix back in hand or something like that. Ultimately, the cost, the ability cost is just too expensive the four mana and having a two, two for two that dies that just, you know, I mean, obviously ha- ha- like, like a, uh, Lightning Bolt having lifelink just inherently after you cast a 2-2 is really strong. That's like a really good thing you can do. It's good against certain decks, but the card never broke through. And to be honest with you, I've not seen a lot of Soulfire Grandmaster played in any format. It's not a card that like shows up very often. I think I think because of the color identity um, is what makes the card. And that's that's a different argument, right? For like hybrid mana. Um, when when can you put a you know hybrid cards within a specific decks and stuff? But um, I think that card is, in my opinion, just 10, 10 times better than Firesong and Sunspeaker. You have the ability to you have the ability to get into Jeskai, which is something that I believe uh, Firesong and Sunspeaker is uh, is lacking. The fact that it's lacking that third color, uh, I think if this were a legendary creature, this would by far be one of the strongest Spellsinger decks you can find, just because the fact that your spells have lifelink. Um, it's just very smart. I think like Etherflux Reservoir would be really good in something like this. The fact that you can source the Plowshare for two mana, right? You pay one to give a, uh, a spell lifelink, right? Is it one mana or three mana? No, I think the spells have lifelink just on their own. Oh, just on their own. Okay. Yeah. For four, you can get the spell to come back to your hand. Yeah, after you correct. Cast it. Yeah. So the fact that source the Plowshare not only, not only gets rid of a troublesome creature on the battlefield, but not, but also gives you life is utterly amazing right path to exile the fact that you're going to gain a life as well like it's just all that stuff is just utterly amazing i think that card would be awesome as a legendary creature the fact that you can build around it so well and have access to blue think about gaining one life just for brainstorming like that is awesome yeah i mean mean, definitely definitely so i i think i think there could have been adjustments now had the card been legendary 
There's a couple things about this that I think are especially cool if this card had been legendary. I think it's one of the places that people people bring up a lot in this thread. So the idea that you can cast it for white, but you have blue and red in the color identity yeah. means that you can, as long as you're basing the deck around white, you'll always be able to hit your commander on turn two. And at that yeah. point, it's so easy for you to play a Jeskai control deck just like a super fun Jeskai control yep. deck. There's like the sheer amount of cool spells you'd be able to play and you can really lean the mana into base white so that mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're hardly ever going to end up in a situation where casting yeah. this on turn two is hard because the deck has leaned so hard into blue and red. Yeah. Um, not to mention, you can also just build a deck that doesn't need its commander. It doesn't like, like it's not a turn two commander deck. It's like a turn six commander deck. When you play it, you've got four mana open to cast you know, multiple spells or something like that. The one thing about it that I do think is a little interesting is, um, and I've learned this lesson from a lot of the commander games I've played. It's less, it's, it's not as easy to build spells decks that kill everybody at once in mm-hmm. the traditional way you want to play. You have to have support cards for that to work mm-hmm. to be able to kill all of your opponents at once using like economical spells that for one or two, mana are going to deal damage and draw you cards you have to get really clever like i play i play this gerson starn card you know this uh from from warhammer 40k yeah and the way the deck works is uh gerson starn for those that didn't read it is basically just a it's a blue red commander that whenever a source you control deals exactly one damage to a creature or a player uh gerson starn then tacks on two additional damage so you know if you play gut shot it's going to deal three for gut shot. If you deal something that does one damage to each opponent, it's going to deal three. Uh, if you do fury and you split your fury between four different targets, it's going to do three to every one of those targets. It's going to do 12. So um, the way the whole deck is built is that I have to have other support cards that are going to deal one to everything or everybody that once Gerson starts in play, it amplifies that, right? But that's not, that's not like spells that are doing it. It's the support cards that are making my cheap spells do that because Fire Ice or some card like that isn't really good enough if you're playing that in a in a Soulfire Grandmaster deck. That's mm-hmm. never really going to be good enough. You're never really going to want to pay two mana to like deal two damage and gain two life and be down a card. Like yeah. the effect is just not powerful enough. Yeah. So I think the burn spells by and large <clears throat> just don't um, they they don't scale well enough unless you're playing really big expensive ones. And if you're playing big expensive ones, you'll just get blown out by interactive decks. So that's, I think, the the sort of maybe the drawback on the idea. Yeah, I, I think it could be. But I think what you what after listening to what you had to say, I think that this um, th- it would be interesting to make a just the fact that incident incidental life gain is such a big ding of such a big thing in Commander now. Uh, I think people misconstrue the idea that gaining life is irrelevant like it, it, it really is yeah i mean how often do you play voltron decks right like if you do play a voltron deck you're gonna play one out of the four at the table so you're just playing a jeskai control list with a commander that led to lends itself to that shell and you mm-hmm. have the ability every time you counter something you're gonna gain life for it every time you get rid of something you're gonna gain life for it you can bounce something it just becomes a jeskai control shell with a commander that i think is easy to remove. Now, I think if you made it too white, it'd probably be a little it'd probably be a little easier to make into legendary because the drawback yeah. isn't being legendary, it's the fact that it's double white. Right? I think that would probably be the biggest thing that you would have to do to make this creature viable to make this to make it into a legendary. Yeah, I think that's I think that's that's totally fair. So, yeah. that's the first choice, a Soulfire Grandmaster. Uh, I, let's I would, look at I would go with um one uh, the one that I would love to see as a commander, which is something that Alex and I have talked about before, because uh, I'm a big component of this card because I try to play it in modern often, is Knights of the Reliquary. Knight <laughs> oh, of the Reliquary. Yeah, green, white, one for a human for a human knight, two, two, that says it gets plus one, plus one for every land in the graveyard. You can tap it. You sacrifice a forest or a plains card to tutor for a land. This, to me, is the epitome of what I want to do in commander. I love lands. I love the ability to play lands. The fact that I can still play Life from the Loam in, in and out of the Reliquary deck would be awesome. The fact that you can sacrifice a Forest or Plains to search for a Yavi Maya, and then now you can ta- you can sacrifice anything mm-hmm. you want. It just creates a toolbox that I absolutely enjoy. Now, granted, you can't play 
you know, like a Vault of the Archangel, which I think is an amazing card. But I, obviously, there's checks and balances. Obviously, you don't want to overpower it. But you can even search, a, look for a, for a sacrifice of force to search for one of those. Uh, what I forget the name of it. Um, Rogue's Passage. And at, mm. by, by the time you're there, you're swinging for 12 commander damage, right? Or you can do right or life from the loam and you do all the cycle lands. There's so many cycle lands in the format now that you can just cycle away through everything. And then maybe at some point you have a toolbox of like a rampaging Bailoth or Avengers Zendikar. I personally love to see now the reliquary as a commander to the point where I was telling my fiance Shay that I'm going to build a green white lands deck and then just rule zero and see if anybody lets me play out of the reliquary. And if not, I'll just find some other green white commander <laughs> to play. But I, I, I think that card would be absolutely great as a legendary, in my opinion. I mean, for a lot of years, it was one of the best creatures ever printed. It was uh, got kind of outclassed as, as time went on. I We play a, a format called Highlander Gauntlet. We've talked about it here many mm-hmm. times. It's you know 600 card decks and you balance no re- no repetitions between the six decks. And uh, I have a green white deck in that format that I play that's like, it's kind of like Infect. Okay. It has a few infect creatures. It's basically green, white, all in, double strike, infect, pump spells. Uh-huh. It's a 1v1 format. So, um, but I have found that playing Knight of the Reliquary when it comes down, it's a little slow, but it just sets up these just big swing turns. You can do yeah. so much for the night. You know, it's like, it, it's just the amount of good lands that are out there, the fact that they come in untapped. Yeah. Um, so many spell lands that like do such cool stuff, you know, whether it's, you're talking about like a Sejiri step for protection, or you're talking about there's like, there's the threshold land that turns into a giant growth. Yeah. There's the one from uh, the next one. I can't remember what set it was from. Uh, you can uh, even but- do field of the dead, um, field of the dead, Vesuva, the field of the dead. You can do, um, Oh my gosh. The, uh, the new Capenna lands, um, the ones that want the ETB, you, you know, as soon as it enters, you sacrifice and search for a basic land. Like, I think there's two or three of them that you can play because you can search for a forest or a plains. I think land taxing all three cards and just discarding two lands, you know, I think is absolutely amazing. I think that other reliquary, maybe that maybe it, it would be too strong as a commander. Here's the next one that I see listed on here that I think is really cool. Heartwood Storyteller. I love this idea. Um, green, green one for a 2-3 tree folk from Future Sight, of course. It's near and dear to my heart. Whenever a player plays a non-creature spell, each of that player's opponents may draw a card. Hmm. So it's an old, weird card from Future Sight. There was a whole bunch of cards like this. Rares that had just like strange, complicated, wonky abilities. But this is just a just a big group hug card, you know? It's just yeah. whenever whenever anybody plays a non-creature spell, their opponents can draw. Like, <laughs> it turns mm-hmm. every commander game into just everybody's drawing a million cards. Yeah. Um, which which seems fun. It's mono green, though, which, which is especially cool because now it means that in mono green, you're setting up basically a situation where probably you're playing a mostly creature-heavy deck is the guess. Like, you're probably playing mostly creatures, um, and your opponents are probably playing four non-creatures than you, and you're mono green, so now you have a way to draw when your opponents are casting spells, right? Yeah. I, I think that'd be pretty great. I think the I think it'd be a little scary to see something like that as a commander because if you were to see that as a commander, you know exactly what they're trying to do. I think that card kind of explains itself. So if you yeah. you know, as a you know, if I'm playing blue white control or his boss singer deck, I'm like, well, he might have to be target number one because at the end of the day, one you know, if he allows everybody else to draw cards, that's gonna make it harder for me. To kind of do my game plan because I'm just it's basically a risk study for everybody else. So yeah, but what's cool about it is because it because it triggers on non-creature spells. I believe it's whenever a player, right? Whenever a player plays a non-creature spell, so it, it means that if somebody immediately targets your commander, it, you draw, right? Yeah, you, you immediately get to draw off if they're targeting your commander. It replaces itself. So even if they kill it right away, you're still you you and everybody else are still ahead of them on cards now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because you're um, basically you're losing a card and they're gaining a card just by getting rid of your commander. So I guess those are pretty good odds. But how would you build around it? What else would you do to make that to make that? Deck I, think, I mean, I think because it's a creature and because it's mono green, you probably play you probably play like just like a bunch of sweet green beaters. Yeah, just mono like green good stuff, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. It's probably a creature ramp deck and it probably yeah. doesn't play almost any non-creatures. And so every single other player is just going to basically allow you to draw. Um, the whole table is going to be drawing, including you and whoever's playing the most spells to try to get around it is going to be drawing the least. Um, so I do think there's some fun stuff there. I mean, I don't know necessarily how you would build around it, uh, but it does. It just seems like a kind of a cool, fun effect. I like the uh, the pick there. Um, e, uh, let's see, see, like, uh, let's see, Den Deco is who suggested that one. And then there was a handful of different suggestions on on um, uh, Soulfire Grandmaster, but uh, Alex Norn Apologist was the first one that I read there. So wanted to, uh, to I, shout that uh, one out. You, you did mention earlier about um, how your Highlander deck was a green-white. In fact, how do you feel about yeah. Blighted Agent being a legendary creature? Fascinating idea. Uh, I think it makes the card significantly worse for, for what it is intended to be. Because okay. um, I think there it's a pretty unique card in what it does for, for an infect strategy. And we've already seen with the previews now with, uh, what's it, was it Toxic is what the new ability is called? Yeah. Um, and, and what, Toxic, it doesn't scale. It's like whenever it deals damage, you get yeah. one. So it's not as powerful, can't be abused as easily. Uh, if it's legendary, then I think for for like modern, I think the card gets a lot worse because you yeah. want to be able to, you definitely want to be able to play multiples. So if they kill one right away, you can immediately get it down. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't know if Mono Blue Commander Blighted Agent is a deck that's going to be able to get the job done in Commander. There's not enough blue pump that I think you would be able to consistently get that like you could you could certainly play some stuff like i think what would come to mind for me would be you'd be playing a spell heavy deck with like rune chanter's pike or you'd be playing like stuff like that that what i think you'd be trying to push it over the top there you'd probably have like unstable mutation and other stuff that'd be able to pump three at once so that you could sort of one you know one shot one player at a time but i think as soon as you have as soon as you have a blighted agent suited up with rune chanter's pike for like seven or eight power you just become tar- target number one, yeah. And then you're mono blue. So if they kill your 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 uh, commander, what's your deck doing? You know, what do you? How are you? How are you supposed to win? It feels like the whole deck would be centered around having your commander in play. I I would probably do it uh, the opposite. I would do a lot of cantrips and swords, a lot of swords. I that I think that's what I, I would do more. Um, like I'd sort of feast some famine, batter skull. I even do hearth and home. I would do body and mind just I, I think i would just go overrun with the ability to just force them to deal with this one blighted agent because a two mana one one with infect that's unblockable i think already is good stats and as a commander to just equip a sword to this thing you're just on a two three turn clock and then just holding mat holdings you know counter magic um you know counter spell even Reman would be really good just just to hold off on your commander just so they can hold on to it. I think it would be pretty that's probably the way I would go with it. It's kind of I would actually go that way with Ragavan too. It's just like sword my commander, just kind of get as much um as much as I can out of it. But I, I do think the fact that it's mono blue definitely has a huge drawback. And you're right, I think in modern it just wouldn't be as as uh, as efficient as it is now in Infect. How do you feel about the fact that they 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 nerfed in fact a little? So do you know how toxic works? I haven't read it carefully. Uh, I do not actually. I believe toxic is kind of like poison, but I'm uh, like yeah. poisonous. But I'm not 100 percent sure how it works. But um, it just the fact that they're nerfing in fact I think is is the right the right thing to do. Um, I played in standard when infect was uh, when in, uh, during new Phyrexia, and it was a very it was a very interesting time because. To play a turn one listener off and just like mutagenetic growth it three times was it just kind of that's not the style of game I like to play me personally yeah so I think I think you either do it two ways I think you neither need to up infect to fifteen or you just have to nerf the the ability in general and I think a lot of people online don't like that the I think it's kind of like a it, it, it's a scale because a lot of people who don't like infect wanted to go up to fifteen. And the other ones just wanted to keep it at 10, right? So I think yeah. it really just depends on how you feel within just the the shell of infect. But um, you know, I don't I mean, hopefully, hopefully Toxic will do something for Infect and Modern, because I think I think that's a very fun deck to play. I don't think it's overpowered. I think it definitely needs maybe a piece to really kind of go over the hump to become tier one again. But we'll see. Yeah, fair enough. Um, all right, so continuing to move through some of these uh, some of these answers that were in the Twitter thread. Um, let's see here. Some of these cards are so fun. 
other ones to jump out at me here. More so you know we should Grand do? Master. We should we should do a, a scale. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to control. We should do a um a a commander stream. Like we should put our, the t- the top ten cards that we love the most that we think would be great legendaries and have yeah. everybody on Twitter vote for it. And then the top oh, four, we should all build decks for it and play on the stream. Play those play cards. Stream. Yeah, that's yeah, that's fun. Really fun. I like that idea. I call that out of the reliquary. So yeah, <laughs> the next one on here is Risen Reef. Um, so Risen Reef shows up a few times here. Uh, Benji the Brewer uh, threw this one in. So Risen Reef, blue green one for a one one elemental. It's from M twenty. When whenever Risen Reef or another elemental enters the battlefield under your control, look at the top card of your library. If it's a land card, you may put it on the battlefield tapped. If you don't, put the card onto the battlefield, put it into your hand. So I think one of the things about Risen Reef that's so interesting is that elementals by and large are most powerful because of there is no color restriction. Because five color elementals is essentially the the lean. That's where people go. Mm-hmm. Um, you have all the three elementals that you can pitch spells for, the five of them from Modern Horizons 2 that are really powerful. There's evoke cards from the previous sets. Um, there's a lot of really good elementals, uh, but a lot of what makes elementals really good, and a lot of the, you know, it's 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 you're pairing them with cards like those I mentioned, the Omnaths of the world. Mm-hmm. Like that's the kind of deck you're talking about. If you're restricted to playing blue green, if Risen Reef was a was a legendary, um, I think it's really fun. I think it's a really really fun easy way for blue green to just kind of dumb its way into a big board state that I think is really fun. There's tons of elementals, but there's not so many absurd elementals in those colors that you would, you would have to work at it for the deck to be good, I think. Uh, but it seems really fun to me. I think elemental tribal is something that's been pushed and it, and it has some drawbacks where some people kind of consider it to be a little unfun because there's so many free things, but you don't get that many free spells in this deck. You get a couple free spells and everything else is just value. It's all value, value, value. Um, I, I really like the idea. I but I think one of the biggest positives of playing Risen Reef is the fact that you're in, especially in Commander, is that you're able to like write a replication, you know, kick a write a replication and make five copies of it. Um, right. You know, the the fact that you have the ability to just abuse it is what makes Risen Reef so powerful. Uh, if you, I definitely like the idea of making it a legendary because Commander to me. And I think we spoke. I spoke about this with Alex in uh, the previous, uh, the last episode I was on the podcast with. But I think Commander has become this format where it's like it's convoluted with staples, right? So you have to play these. You have to play this. You have to play this. I think Companion. I love Companion and Commander, and I think Companion kind of gives you an opportunity to open up your card pool to look for things that don't always necessarily make the cut because it's not good enough. So when you nerf a card like Risen Reef and you make it a commander, I think it really does open up the ability to look for all these other cards that might just not have been as good in your four or five color, in your Omnath deck, right? Or your five color elemental deck. So I think that would make it a lot of fun, but I think it also takes away from what the strongest part of Risen Reef is, is to be able to copy it and just net so much value off of that one card. But it would also be cool because you can make Karuga your companion if you had Risen Reef as your as your commander. So there's a lot, I, there's of, plus a lot of, of There's a lot of stuff that I think when you're talking about building a commander deck that is super cool. And I think it's some of the stuff that is mm-hmm. most interesting about magic and magic design and puzzle solving. I think it's yeah. why I've taken to it so much lately is uh, it, it does allow you to look at cards that would otherwise be forgettable that I will never play in any format, right? Again, mm-hmm. talking about this Garrison Starn deck, a lot of the stuff that I was paying attention to was like, okay, so any 1-1 one, one that I make is, is able to attack an opponent. When it attacks, it's going to deal three instead of one. Mm-hmm. So, okay, things that things that make 1-1s one, just sort of off to the side become a little better. It's a spell deck because I want to be able to trigger all of the Keswick Flamebreakers and all the Thermo Alchemists of the world because that's kind of how I'm trying to win. But it also means that like Third Path Iconoclast and Young Pyromancer become really good. Because those cards are all making one ones. Now my one ones all come down. They're you know they attack for three. So I take a card like a cult epiphany. I don't know if you remember this card, but it's blue. It's blue X for an instant. Draw X cards, then discard X cards. Create a one one white spirit creature token with flying for each card hmm. type among cards discarded this way. So it's a sweet way for me to end of turn in this deck. Yeah. Filter through my deck, 
choose probably discard a land some like piddly sorcery yeah. probably get myself two or three one one flyers trigger all my guys because it's an instant speed spell yeah. and because it's x1 if i just need later in the game to just draw a spell that i'm going to cast for one to trigger a thermo to deal the last three i can just cast it for one blue i can yeah. save it as the last spell on the chain i don't actually need to cast it for anything yeah. but so it's interesting because i will never play a cult epiphany in any deck except for the fact that in this particular deck it does represent a lot of damage at the end of turn in a way that I think is really, really cool and unique. And I think that's maybe one of my favorite parts about Commander. And when you talk about making some of these creatures legendary, it's I think it's not just the creature itself being legendary that's so cool. It's what happens if that creature becomes legendary. What weird corner case cards then yeah. become actually playable, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what makes Risen Reef a very interesting case. I, I actually think Risen Reef might be, in my opinion, the most interesting case that we've talked about right now just because of the sheer power that this one card has by not being a legendary. But then if yeah. you make it a legendary, the the opportunity that we have to just make something so out of the ordinary, right? Like it's just, it to me, it just seems like it would be a lot more fun. It, it just, uh, it, yeah, it, it seems like a, it would be pretty interesting. Pretty interesting yeah. to make something, yeah, to, to make Risen Reef a legendary. That'd be a lot so of fun. So we only have time for one or two more. Do you have any others immediately that come to mind for you? I think we talked about this off uh, off off air. I think uh, Goblin Guide would be really interesting. Uh, yeah. One mana, two two Goblin with haste. Whenever it attacks, target a uh, target opponent reveals the top card of the library. If it's a land, it goes into their hand. Otherwise, it stays on top. I think that card would be super awesome. But again, I think outside of Commander, it would just be a worse version of. It would just be a, a worse version. But I think. Uh, as a commander, I think it would be really fun to, to kind of just see what everyone else is going to draw into. Um, the ability to just possibly make somebody discard uh, discard lands because they just drew into too many lands. It's just kind of what you do in modern, right, with Goblin Guide, or even in standard, when it was in standard. Like, oh, I drew two lands, yeah. I got to discard more cards, you know? Yeah, so I think that would be really fun. Yeah, I think Guide, I think guide probably ends up getting outclassed, like you said, by several other creatures. I think it, yeah. doesn't, it doesn't do enough. Uh, on its own yeah i think to justify it like i think your the building restriction would be so great at being mono red that getting two damage essentially if you think about it from the perspective of like if you're not going to deal lethal commander damage to someone yeah then it'd be effectively raging goblin but yeah. worse effectively yeah, just feel, yeah that's true yeah and that's that's a pretty rough commander um yeah. one one idea here that i think is really an interesting conversation for us to have so Robert Lewis here, um, Robstow 109, responded with Ornithopter. Oh. Interesting. <laughs> so that's fascinating, right? Yeah. It's a it's a fascinating idea because you're you're already in the colorless category. So you're you're having to get really clever with how you're gonna do this. Yeah. Um, the building restriction is insane. But at the same time, you're gonna have your commander for nothing on turn one every single game, always. You're always going to have your commander. Now, it's weird because some of the stuff that having a commander on turn one, you don't benefit from any of the free spells. None mm -hmm. of the eggs, none of the you can cast this for free if you control your commander. No. Uh, but there is something like really fascinating about fast mana acceleration in the colorless sense, you know, in the, in the soul ring, the mana crypt, the mana vault, the grim monolith, all those types of cards where you're going to be able to cast everything in your deck with those things always. Um, you're probably an equipment deck. You're probably an equipment yeah. deck. You're probably like a kind of a stacks deck too, is my guess. Like yeah, I would like I Torpor would, Orb and Winter Orb. And yeah, I, I think you'd want to be. Torpor Orb, Winter Orb. I could see like playing like Tangle Wire. Yeah, like Tangle my thought Wire. Is this, yeah. You'd be ramping out these like just as many permanents on turn one as possible to try to suit up your your Ornithopter. And then like, you know, I guess you can't play cranial plating in the deck because that's got black on it. Yeah, um, you wouldn't be able to play cranial plating. I think you can't play the fact that you can play Urza Saga to make constructs would be pretty cool. Uh to tutor for like a shadow spear. I think a zero two zero mana commander that just gets buff, right? I think is pretty, pretty cool. And you don't and the cool thing about Ornithopter being a commander would be that you're it's never it's always net positive. You're always you know, it's because the fact that it's zero mana. So you don't always yeah. need to do it turn one, turn two, turn three, turn four. Whenever you're ready for this Ornithopter to swing, 
that's when you cast it. So in my opinion, you just you create a net positive commander. Now the argument that, would be that maybe Memnite would be better. Maybe because it yeah because it's got one power. Yeah. I think I think I like the idea of Ornithopter being the choice though because it has so. zero power. I think that's what's so clever about it. Yeah, I, you know this is this is probably a true affinity deck. This is probably like the Frogmite deck. It's like yeah. you're probably but the weird the only weird part about it is how do you refill your hand? How are you how are you going to get? You probably need to be playing like, you know, this is probably a um, what's the what's the format of portal from uh, our first con- conspiracy uh, oh, coercive uh, portal. This is probably yeah. a coercive portal deck. Yeah. You know, it's probably like uh, you're and you probably are playing cloud key for artifacts. You're probably mm-hmm. playing like foundry and not foundry inspector. Uh, is it foundry inspector? The three two artifact that makes your artifacts cost one less uh, foundry inspector. Joe is familiar. Uh, there's a couple. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably playing all of those cards, mm. you know, like, and you're just going big mana. I mean, you're, I, feel, I, I think. Uh, Phil, Phil Grew familiar? The one with the ETBs, you you gain two life yeah. and it dies, you draw a card. There's a second, there's a, a new version of that card. So that you can sweet, play both yeah. of those. Yeah, that card is super sweet. I play that in my Tishar deck. That's, that card's it awesome. Seems, it seems like a lot of fun. Most of the support cards that I think about playing in a heavy artifact deck, you can't play, which is sort of strange. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there are really weird and interesting combos that you can do. Obviously, you can you can play Karn and Micah and Flattis. Um, that's a thing you can do. You know, there's there's a tremendous number of of busted things you can do. Stacks I, things. I think um, Michael and Flattis and Karn would be your game winner. Um, in the fact that once your Ornithopter is ready to go, that's when you Michaelsynth and then you Karn Great Creator to just they can't do anything right like okay it's over now i'm gonna swing with my ornithopter that's i don't know a 21 21 because of all these swords and all this stuff and yeah that, that would be a very interesting uh deck restriction it actually seems really fun uh it, yeah, it seems like I a agree. lot of fun because then you also have uh access to like the eldrazi's at the top end i don't know if you'll ever get to that top end but you have the ability yeah. to to play kozalek um that's the one that draws you cards right yeah, both Kozilek's the ones that let you draw back up to seven or lets you draw four cards. Yeah. Yeah. I think at the top, and I, I don't think you want to overdo it at the top. At the top. Maybe just the two Kozilek's, Uh Just the, anything that allows you to draw cards that are colorless, I think would be great. Yeah. All right. We're going to do one more. You either okay. have one or should I pull one more out of here? Um, yeah, let's pull, let, let's pull one more. See, see what we got. Okay. Seems fun. Let's pull one more out of here. See okay. if there's one that comes to mind that's really especially cool. Fiend Artisan. This is a cool one. Yeah, that's a good card. So two double green black hybrid mana for a 1-1 nightmare. Fiend Artisan gets plus one plus one for each creature card in your graveyard. And it has a black green hybrid X tap cost. Sacrifice another creature. Search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost X or less. Put it on the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Activate this ability only anytime you can cast a sorcery. So it's a little bit of a public enemy number one situation as soon as you play it. Because, you know, we've we've all played against the survival of the fittest fauna shaman type of decks. And those ones have to those ones have to actually uh, cast the creature. This one gets to one time sacrifice to get a creature directly into play. But in a black green shell, you're probably a combo deck. My guess. Everybody who plays playing against you probably knows that you are some sort of a rampy combo deck. I Mm -hmm. don't know how this deck is good if you aren't a combo deck. I feel like you're almost never attacking with your commander. So I play Fiend Artisan, uh, I played it for a long time in my Marin deck, and I thought that, oh, cool, a second Birthing Pod. But in all honesty, the fact that it's a, um, I think it's a 2-2, right, or a 1-1 creature before the pump? It's a 1-1 for 2. Yeah, a 1-1 for 2. Uh, it's actually not as strong as like as Birthing Pod actually is. I think I think Fiend Artisan is a really interesting, a really interesting commander to really build around if you wanted to. But I feel that it just turns into Marin. I think you just create aristocrats. Um, and I, I just personally think that there's just a better commander out there than a fiend artisan would. Yeah. I mean, you're probably you're probably right. I was just I was trying to think about uh cards that well, I mean, it was in the thread here, obviously, but I was trying to think about cards that would allow you as a commander to tutor for for and to tutor and win as a combo yeah. deck. Yeah. And, you know, there there are some that tutor for things quickly and easily, right? Uh, which is the, is it Hannah Weatherlight Captain? Or no, 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 that's, uh, Hannah's the one, the green-white one, right? That can tap to search for a legendary. 
Not Sissé. Sissé weather like captain. Okay, Sissé. Yeah. Hannah maybe is the one that gets back an instant or, or uh, an enchantment yeah. artifact from your graveyard. Um, so like Sissé is an example. There there are some certainly that have have tutor built in. There aren't that many, I feel like. And this one being cheap, it's also the thing about it that I think is also a little bit of a restriction is that you have to sacrifice and pay the mana. So it's yeah. not like it's it's not that strong, right? It's a little it's a little slow, and it's also only sorcery speed. Yeah. So it really doesn't feel like it's overpowered. It just feels like it's an it's an engine card that's cheap enough that it can yeah. come down. It's almost like I feel like the cost of the card and the power level of the card might be low enough that people might kind of let you get away with it. Yeah, I, I like you know? the idea, but I I think I'd rather. Um, cause I saw the thread, obviously, uh, I was going through the thread earlier and some of the cards I think are really interesting, but I think when there's just a better commander for the, for the archetype that you're trying to go around, I just, it, it just wouldn't be worth building around that card, right? Like for example, in the, in the Golgari shell, I just think Marin would just be a better card because then you can put Fiend Artist in the, the 99, because not only do you have that, now you have birthing pond right it just i think that just makes a better uh better idea but if you're looking to really tutor if you're really the combo i think fauna shaman as a legendary would be a lot yeah. longer than a fiend artisan would now granted it it's a monocolor mono card but i still yeah. think it would just be a lot better because now you're able to filter and find the thing that you need at that time it just it becomes mono green it's like a vodelkin ori was attached to a was attached to a commander right because once you activate it, let's just say I'm, you know, you're, you know, you're to my right in turn order, whatever's on the board, that's what I'm going to tutor for. I'm going to discard this Gogar Grave Troll to search for whatever I need at the time. And I think Fiend Artisan is just a, a worse version of what Fauna Shaman is. Even though it's two colors, I just think you'd rather play Marin if that's the case. That's fair enough. Yeah. But I do I have one, one uh, while we were talking about that, I actually think that Kitchen Finks would be pretty cool oh, to play that's a fun one yeah that would be really cool to play as a commander i think yeah that's I, I a think... fun one because yeah yeah it's 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 i like that it's the two colors i like yeah. that obviously it you know you're able to gain life you you gain life every day comes into play yeah. um you can combo with it you can have things that trigger and 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 are better off of gaining life yep malira uh, i think with malira you just go infinite yeah, as a Malira deck, I also think that like you could play it in a Soul Sisters type, type of deck pretty yeah. easily. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Green White has been pretty famous for doing that. Yeah. You you curve into your Johnny's Pride Mate, your Sarah yeah. Ascendant, your Essence Wardens, or you know your Soul's Attendant, all these yeah. cards, and then you, you bring it down on turn three, triggers everything, and now every single time you you know your commander, you could block with it. You could, I mean, I there, I think there's a ton of cool stuff you could do with Kitchen Finks. Yeah, uh, I think Kitchen Finks would be a lot of fun to. Um, to really try out yeah and now that nobody plays it anymore in competitive 1v1 who cares right yeah who cares just make it <laughs> yeah they should just yeah they should just make it legendary now not other reliquary and kitchen things should just be legendary at this point right exactly <laughs> what happened three cm three cmc creatures in green that just aren't good anymore just it's aren't crazy. good yeah it, it's so yeah. it's so crazy to think that um tarmogoyf is is irrelevant in the format now like it it pains me to see Basically, something like that it's basically not even played, right? Like, no, no. And I know Alex will defend Tarmogoyf until the day he dies, but I, it's just, it's, it sucks to see that a card that powerful has been pushed out, has been overpowered. Um, and it's just, it's crazy to think that a card like that is so strong. Let's make that into a legendary then. Let's make Tarmogoyf a, a commander. Exactly. Uh, all right, guys. I think that is going to wrap up our show for the week thank you renee so much for joining me and having this conversation leave your thoughts in the comments below what do you think are the five most powerful one drops of all time if you could make any three commanders uh or any three non-legendary creatures into legendary creatures what would they be be sure to like this video leave a comment below and of course subscribe to the channel if you haven't already we'll be back same time same place next week we talking uh phyrexia all will be one spoilers uh, and, uh, and all kinds of fun stuff going on there. So, uh, and also if anybody is planning on going, Alex and I are definitely going to be in Philly. We're going to be there. It's in just like a month and change month mm -hmm. and a half now, six weeks. So I we'll see you guys. So, yeah. Wants to. yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be super, super fun. Yep. Uh, it's going to be a great event and, and, uh, yeah. Where can the folks find you if they want to follow you? Uh, you can find me at Renee the Great. Uh, on all social media platforms. Uh, you can also find me at Half Step Down Pod. 
on every social media platform. Uh, Half Step Down Pod. The Half Step Down Podcast is anywhere you get your podcasts except for YouTube. Um, and then you can also find me at the MMCast. Uh, you'll more than likely be talking to me on the on Twitter or TikTok. And yeah, so just drop a line. I'd love to hear from you guys. And uh, if you guys have any ideas of what we should do for the next couple of weeks when it comes to content, let us know. We'd love to hear what you guys have to say. And maybe we will do that commander stream with um, new legendary creatures that no one knows about yet. We'll Sounds put that fun up to me. Yeah, we'll put that up to a yes. vote. That'll be fun. All right, guys. Thank you. You can find me at Ben Bateman Media everywhere. You can find people on the internet. I will see you guys same time, same place in a couple weeks. Thanks, guys. Bye, guys. This has been a production of Time Traveler Media. Sending podcasts into the future.